0: Hi, this is Mary Hayes Greco, and this is a story I wrote recently called And Then She Went Home. Look, my husband said, there's a homeless person sleeping on the roof next door. I huffed and made irritable noises as I went to look. The abandoned and boarded up house next door to us is a constant nightmare and its ability to attract homeless addicts looking for a place to hang out and shoot up. Their close presence is a severe irritation to us because they leave behind garbage, poop, and used needles, as well as a general vibe of dysfunction and chaos right on the boundary of my civilized little home. It makes me feel disgusted. Worse than that, Last winter, people broke in there and lit a fire in the living room to keep warm. A mere flames worth from my own house, six feet away. It makes me very anxious. This cannot be. Even though I fancy myself a student and a teacher of unconditional love and forgiveness, I have to admit, I hate the sight of these people. And when it comes to this issue, like the Grinch, my heart is two sizes too small. I followed my husband's gaze and looked out my kitchen window onto the roof of the lower level next door, squaring my shoulders as I sought my best strategy to get this person gone. She looks like she's about 12 years old, my husband said, though she was likely in her late 20s or early 30s. I studied her. She was curled up on a thin blanket on the tar paper roof, facing us with her head pillowed on her folded hands like a picture of a sleeping child in a storybook. Her jacket was folded near her small backpack. Her clean, athletic shoes were side-by-side nearby, somehow looking ready. She was simply dressed with a neat set of braids on her, and she had the guileless face of a trusting person taking a nap in a safe place. Oh, sweetie, came the unbidden thought, warm with compassion out of nowhere. You are so tired. My stiff shoulders softened, and I blessed her instead. I wished her well instead. My husband Fred and I have grown daughters, and we had tucked in our young ladies for years. Like every parent, we peeked in later to take delight in their sweet, sleeping faces. I sighed in resignation as Fred and I looked at each other and nodded agreement, and then together we mentally tucked her in. She slept there all day, occasionally shifting position, while the light in the sky changed above her and the maple tree nearby whispered, and its dappled shadows played on her resting place. I was glad she found this private spot to take a needed nap, up and away from the grit and the randomness of street life. I was glad she had dared the rickety wooden ladder on that horrible house and had climbed up to get a solid and private rest. My family members came and went, making tea, cooking dinner, peeking out, and gently reporting to each other She's still there. She's still sleeping. The next day, she went away for a while and returned to the roof with two couch cushions, which she put down and resumed her extended nap. We four in my household who had been observing her now expressed our satisfaction that she had improved her situation. Somehow, we had all come to care about her and wanted the best for her. When I left for work... I looked once more and noted how she was lying straight on her cushions with her hands crossed on her breast, bearing a striking resemblance to a sarcophagus in a sacred house for the dead. Her eyes were closed, and her face was tipped up towards the sky as though she was listening to something up there, like someone you see who is listening to distant music. A couple of hours later, My husband and two teen granddaughters came to pick me up at work and he said so do you do you want to tell nani that's me yes said my granddaughter mia um nani the girl who was sleeping well she died they had watched the drama noting that the quality of her rest had changed and her face looked different They witnessed the arrival of a friend who climbed up there looking for her, who sobbed desolately as he tried to rouse her, while awaiting for the emergency medics to arrive with their heart shocker and their injections. It was all to no avail. But, but, I said tremulously, I just saw her before I left. She seemed fine. Like you say, when someone you know dies because even when death is expected, it so often feels sudden, anyway. Tears I didn't understand began to drip down my face. How had I come to love this person? When we arrived home, I saw two gentlemen entering the broken front gate of the property and head for the rickety stairs and back. They had a certain energy to them that I have witnessed many times in Undertaker's and those that have been called to handle the dead, something contained, humble and respectful. In the kitchen, I looked out once again. There she lay, stretched out straight and still and relaxed, with her face tilted toward us once again, peaceful. She could have still been sleeping, but her lips were tinged with a sky-blue color and her shirt was too open where the medics had been trying to start her heart. She was beyond caring about that. I couldn't watch them take her away, her life force no longer inhabiting her pretty form. I wanted to remember this sweet personhood, as revealed when she slept. They left behind her jacket, her little backpack, her shoes, which now looked abandoned, and her needles. I felt foolish now to think we'd all been fondly watching someone die of an overdose. I went to my room and cried for two hours. Why? Because my stiff heart had cracked open to this human condition, vagrancy, addiction and death in a little corner of a big city. I cried for her and for another young person in my own family who struggles with mental illness and addiction. She's experiencing the great economic duress that accompanies mental illness and can lead to the loss of a house, even as people who love her look on with concern and a sense of frustration and helplessness. Most days, I can't think of anything more precious than my own sweet little home. Doesn't everyone need that? Who was she? Where was her home? What was her story? How had she gotten here? to her date with death on a roof right outside my kitchen window. It seemed like maybe she had some people who cared, and the next day came the evidence that this was true. Poignantly, the rickety staircase had several blue balloons tied to it, and a handwritten note clipped to them, fluttering in the breeze. I had to read it. The note declared her full name, with hearts all around it. I spoke her name out loud softly carefully the note was a heartbroken goodbye written to her from a cousin speaking for himself and two other cousins girl you left this world too soon we will never stop missing you I never told you what you meant to me I hope you know that when I used to argue with you so much it was because I love you so much and I was worried we love you so much we will always think of you A day later, someone left a rose in a glass jar on the edge of the roof where she died. Yes, she had people. Yet her life went where it went, anyway. She and everyone around her had been powerless to make the story any better than this. It is so damn tragically human. I am worried and aghast, at the epidemic of homelessness, mental illness, addiction, and lost lives all around me in this city. And I know that there are many cities that are blighted with this human dilemma, many stories that will never be told. I seriously have no idea how this can be adequately addressed. But at least I won't hate the sight of them anymore. Hate is not the medicine for this situation or any situation. It's just bad for your health and bad for the world. I realize now that I had been hating the sight of the homeless because they mirror to me my own inadequacy to provide real help. The couple of dollars I sometimes offer barely begin to address the needs of the person standing in front of me panhandling in the heat or the cold. What I know for sure is that people are people and that some of them end up on the street homeless, and addicted, and each one of them is, or once was, someone's daughter, or cousin, or parent, or friend. Yes, they are addicts. Yes, some of them are so off in their personality problems that dealing with them effectively seems well-nigh impossible. But, like the sleeping girl on the roof, perhaps they belong to someone. Someone who has known something of the light of that soul for a while, and they will be missed by someone when they're no longer here. The girl on the roof had her story and her people, and I suppose she had her own life purposes. Perhaps one of her purposes was to bring her human vulnerability in front of me long enough to crack my tight heart wide open. Peace to you. Younger sister, I hope you got home safe.